Tango Tango Papa 2124, November 24th, 2022. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion, the product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you coming to you this evening from, uh, I believe it's pronounced Tonopah, uh, Arizona. It's probably, I don't know, it's roughly 20 to 30 miles to the west of uh, Phoenix, Something like that. Uh, so the load that I have, I picked up in uh, California, Tracy, California, and then it delivers uh, tomorrow, late tomorrow afternoon, early tomorrow evening, uh, 6.15 p.m. Uh, mountain time. I, I, well, I think it's still, Phoenix is actually on Pacific time. But Arizona doesn't do, uh, they just stay on whatever, they don't change, uh, you know, like daylight savings time or whatever. So they just kind of change. So they may be, I don't know, they might be on mountain time. But in any case, it's, uh, you know, it, it, whatever time zone Arizona's in, uh, or Phoenix in particular, the load delivers at uh, 6, so it's, it's going to be the equivalent of mountain time. Regardless of you know, because Arizona does its own thing, it doesn't do the, it doesn't jump back and forth from uh, daylight savings time and back. So uh, it's kind of confusing. But anyway, I just go by what the uh, you know the phone automatically. All my devices automatically change, uh, including the phone and the GPS and what have you. So that's what I go by, and uh, so. 6.15, so I'll leave here so that I get there uh, by about 5.15. So I'll leave here probably by 4.30, something like that. And that will, tomorrow afternoon, their time here in Arizona, and then that will allow me enough time to get there uh you know, about I'll try to time it so I get there about an hour before the actual appointment time. So, in any case, uh, you know, this this particular load has uh, extra time on it, and it would have kind of had extra time on it to start with. But then I think what really made it have more extra time was the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Of course, today's Thanksgiving, and uh, you know, so it, you know, I got here uh, this morning after, you know, because I loaded the load on, uh, when did I load the load? Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday afternoons when I loaded the load and then uh, I made it to, uh, 
uh, Arvin, California, and then I kind of hung out at Arvin for, and I did basically a 34-hour reset, reset the logbook, the hours of service. And then, so I woke up this morning, it was about uh, midnight Pacific time, and then I got going, it was about 1 o'clock Pacific time when I started driving this morning, and then I made it here this morning to uh, this truck stop, there's a TA truck stop at, uh, you know, it's out, like I say, it's out west of Phoenix along Interstate uh, 10. Uh this morning and then you know I've been hanging out here the rest of the day and spend the night here and then uh, like I say I'll leave here tomorrow afternoon but the uh, I was able to kind of reset hours of service as well as uh, you know just had to kill some extra time because of the, the Thanksgiving holiday but you know that happens so anyway uh I have decided to, you know, instead of, you know, the past several years, you know, I always take my vacation, at, you know, in December. And uh, so the past several years, I've, at least the past couple, I have, uh, at least, or probably more than that, I would still go home towards the end of uh, November, take a few days off, and then go back to work, and then, you know, come back to, you know, back home by usually the 14th of December. So I'd only be gone for, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before coming back to work. So this time I've decided just to skip that. So I'm not, you know, I came back to work, I think, around uh, November the 2nd. Normally I would be going home pretty quickly soon here toward you know because we're getting towards the end of the month but I decided to skip that and just start the vacation about four days early so I'll, I told him I wanted to be home by the 9th the asset my asset manager agreed to that and so get me home you know by the 9th and then uh, you know the the official vacation starts on the 14th and then you know, so that, that gives me some extra time to, you know, to kind of relax a little bit. But I still, I'm planning on driving uh, down to South Texas uh, and spending the bulk of the vacation uh, time with my parents. Although I'll, you know, I'm going to allow time to, uh, I'm not going to just jump in and go immediately when I get home. I'll allow time to kind of uh, relax and do some of the normal stuff while I'm home and then make the trip down to South Texas and then uh, come back at some point uh, and then I have to go back to work I'm scheduled to go back to work on January the 4th so I'll be off uh, you know get home on the 9th and then uh, back to work on the 4th so I'll try to come home, uh, you know, so that I don't, you know, I'm not just coming home and then immediately going back to work. I'll allow myself a, another day or two or three to, to sort of relax after the trip back. So that's the plan anyway. So uh, I've got uh, this clip that I found on YouTube. It's a clip from a longer show that I'm going to play. It's Dr. Drew. 
and uh, there's a doctor, and I don't know if Dr. Drew's on TV or not, but there's a Dr. Drew podcast, and it's one of the many, many things that I'm subscribed to, and so sometimes I, you know, if they've got an interesting topic, I'll uh, listen to that. Obviously, I've got lots of listening time here in the truck with all the driving that I do. So this is about a 10-minute, 24-second clip, and he's interviewing this guy named Ed Dowd. And I'm going to be playing that here in a bit, and it's very interesting. This Ed Dowd is actually a, a Wall Street hedge fund guy, and but he became interested in, uh, you know, there's these excess deaths that are happening that the media is not really talking much about, but... Uh, it's in the data. It's in the, the CDC's data. It's in the, the British. Uh, it's also in the British data. And uh, they're, you know, they're really not wanting to, mainstream media is not wanting to talk about that much. But uh, it's out there and there are excess people dying for some mysterious reason. I think I know why. But... Uh, you know, and they kind of allude to it in this clip that I'll play here in a bit. But uh, it's worth listening to. And, you know, if you don't, uh, I know some people are going to not want to hear that. Or they're going to want to doubt the, the source of the information. And that's that's fine. That's another thing I'm going to talk about. Uh, e- e- the idea of e- or the, the epistemology. You know, what is a, that's a $10 word. What is epistemology? How do you know what you know? You know, in, in other words, what are your trusted sources of information? Who do you trust? You know, and then, you know, some people think, well, I trust, you know, I trust, uh, you know, this person or that person because they've got a PhD after their name or, or I've got or I trust this person or that person for all kinds of different reasons. You know, there's tons of different reasons why you trust people. And you then you kind of end up giving weight to what they say. But, it you know, it's really tricky because you can end up giving weight to someone simply because they're wearing a suit and tie. And they're, they're, they're making all the right kind of noises. You know, and you've been conditioned into... Uh, thinking that if someone's making the right sort of noises that uh, and they have the right look, that uh, all of a sudden they're trustworthy. You know, why do you think, uh, you know, particularly in the past, you know, people would wear a suit and tie, you know, and, and, and even now, you know, if someone wears a suit and tie, you think, oh, they're, they're somehow they're more trustworthy. And that's that's been proven that, you know, just even in casual uh, tests, uh, people tend to lend more weight and more credence to people that look right. They look the part and then they may sound the part. And, uh, you know, so how do you know what you know? So I'm going to be talking about that. Then I've also got a uh, <clears throat> clip from, or actually, yeah, it's, uh, from Boxer, from Joel. Joel sent this, I think, back on, uh, I don't know, it was like November the 4th. So, I've you know, it's been a while. 
this what's today the 24th so he sent this about 20 days ago but uh so i'll be playing that as well so to begin with i was driving uh, you know i forget which state i was in i think i was actually in california maybe but in any case, I was, you know, and I drove past, you know, you drive past these churches and they'll have these signs, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of churches will have signs and they'll come up with, some, you know, some sort of a saying, you know, and uh, so this one wasn't, you know, sometimes the they can be very clever sayings. In this case, it said, uh, cast all your sins upon God. You know, or it may have said, cast all your sins upon Jesus, you know, but either way. How do you do that? How do you cast your, you know, is it, you simply mouth the words, I cast my sins upon you, you know, Jesus or whatever. Is that how it does? Is that how it works? Just because you say the words? Or is there something more involved with it? I believe <clears throat> I believe there's something more involved with it. And that something more involved, you have to give up resentment. Resentment is really the basis of the wrong side of the human ego that literally is the major way that human beings play God in our own minds you know as if we're God and we're you know we you know we hurl the mental thunderbolts and strike people places and things dead it's mostly people but it's also places and things And as long as you have resentment, whether you're aware of the resentment or not, some people are proud of the resentment. Or they think they can turn resentment into something positive. I'm telling you, you got to get rid of it. you got to let go of it. Because only then, because otherwise you're just playing an ego, to, you're just playing an ego game. Whether you say that you're going to cast your cares upon, you know, and, and what makes you care? Resentment makes you care. Whether you want to care or not, resentment, all who sin, resentment's the sin, all who sin are slaves. And so you, that's how you get, you give up resentment by giving, you know, you you. Well, you have to you have to be able to see it, and you ha- and you have to be able to want to see it. It's not something that you you know you can't just and it's and it resentment becomes packaged with its own denial mechanisms. But that really is the key to casting your sins upon God. I'm sorry, your cares, well, your sins as well, but your cares. And it actually really does work. If you can give up, if you can actually stop resenting, 
Usually it's your parents. You know, that's where we usually start. Most people won't admit that they hate their parents. Parents always fail their kids one way or the other. And even if you had the perfect parent, which I seriously doubt that the perfect parent has ever existed, but let's say you had the perfect parent, the kids are still going to resent them. You know, in a sense, if you go back to the Adam and Eve story, Adam had the perfect parent in the form of God. You know, in the story, God created Adam directly. Now, what we have to understand, does that mean that he created him, you know, out of thin air or, you know, or out of the dust of the ground? What does that mean? You know, we don't know. We can't, we'll never know. You know, what kind of a process was it? It could have been, you know, who knows? Nonetheless, it's, it's uh, you know, we are created. We, we were brought into existence. No doubt about it. So Adam had the perfect parent. He still, still screwed up. The biggest mistake of all is resenting God. You know, you, you know, and you, that's what, you know, you resent your parents. Resenting your, you know, resenting your dad's like is is tantamount to resenting God. Resenting your parents. That's usually where the where we start. We resent our parents. The parents have somehow failed us, and then it just it continues. Then you you start resenting other people, places, and things, and it just continues to snowball. You know, and maybe you're one of the, you know, the many people that, oh, I don't resent my parents. Yes, you do. Admit it. There's about a 99.99999% chance that you do. You know, and if you don't, if you can't admit it to yourself, if you can't admit it, then you're just playing games. It's not an easy thing to do, <clears throat> you know, because our egos are involved. We have a terrible time admitting that we're wrong. We have a terrible time admitting that we've been scammed. And believing that you're God in your own mind, that you can be just like God, is really a, is really buying into a scam. It's a lie. You believe the lie and then you doubt the truth. But if you actually it's been my experience. I actually gave up finally and it took a lot. It didn't it didn't happen overnight finally was able to give up resentment and then you know it's an amazing thing that happened all of my cares were you know one day I woke up and I realized that all of my cares were gone as far as being forced to care about things forced to worry about this and forced to worry about that what if this happens what if that happens He 
His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It really is true. But the key is to give up resentment. The key is to stop playing God in your own mind. So I'm going to go ahead and play, now I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, Dr. Drew segment. Like I say, it's about, it was edited down from a much longer interview. Uh, you know, they had, they actually put the clip up on there. Uh, it was, you know, but it was from a longer show and that I'd watched. I don't know, I'd watched it uh, here recently. I watched, I remember watching the entire thing and then I just happened upon this uh clip that they that they clipped out that kind of hits on the pertinent points and uh it's worth listening to like i say some people may uh question it if you question it uh, i would urge you to uh look the data up yourself you know don't just have a knee-jerk reaction and say oh it was on youtube i can't you know can't believe that it's not Dr. Fauci. It's not, you know, it's not coming from the CDC. It's not coming from the insurance companies. It's not coming from the WHO. Can't believe it. It's propaganda, fake news. Automatically close your mind. Because that's essentially what happens. If you don't, you know, you, you end up doubting sources and, and, you know, having the wrong trust, you know, because the way, the way, you know, I, I came upon a kind of a be- the best way that I can describe the uh, way our minds work, the way the human minds work, the way the human mind works, you know, and it's, a, it's based on a system of faith, as I've often described, but I've, I've come up with a the you know i think of at least a more distilled version of how it works we have to, you know so you can think of it this way we have our trusted sources <clears throat> whatever those trusted sources are and for some people those are completely external externalized trusted sources it could be you know they could say well i trust science the scientific process and i trust this organization and i trust that organization you know, it could be news, or it could be this, or it could be that. So they have their trusted sources. You know, and so that's, you know, I have my trusted sources. But then, I you know, I've also got a, you know, you know, I've called it a, you know, kind of an internal BS detector. You know, and you can say, well, that's that has to be emotional. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But I, I've learned, you know, kind of to trust it. So far, it hasn't it hasn't steered me wrong. So I've got so, certain sources that I sort of trust. But I, you know, I can also kind of doubt them, too. You know, I like like Donald Trump. I trust his judgment, but I don't, you know, I don't uh, subscribe to everything that he says. So even even someone that I trust, you know, and I trust Donald Trump, you know, if, he, if Donald Trump's on the ballot, I'll vote for him again. He's running for president again. I will definitely vote for him if he's on the ballot. You know, so I trust him to run the country, certainly. 
But I, even at that, everything, you know, if I listen to something and if, if he says something that doesn't sound right to me, then I, you know, I'm not going to necessarily just jump on it as some sort of, you know, believable thing or something that I just automatically agree with. So I've got my own internal BS detector. So you kind of, you know, so you have the trusted sources of information. And then you, you sort of, uh, you know, I've got my own internal BS detector. Some people don't. Or some people's BS detector may be, depending on the trusted sources of information, the BS detector may be uh, faulty. Because right, you know, if wrong is right and right is wrong, basically that's what happens if you have resentment wrong, and you won't look at it. Wrong becomes right, right becomes wrong. Things begin, you know, kind of become inverted. Then you doubt the truth and you uh, believe the lie. So you have these trusted sources. And then you have your logic, you know, and you kind of mix that all together. And then you put faith into those, you know, whatever the, the ideas that emerge from that. And it's, you can think of it almost as a box. Whatever emerges from that, you put your faith into. And we really, and when I say faith, I mean faith. We put our faith into those ideas, but it's it's kind of based on trusted, whatever our trusted sources are. Then if you've got, you know, if you have the internal, the properly calibrated, let's say, properly calibrated internal BS detector mixed with logic, then you put your faith into the, the into the ideas that emerge from that. And a lot of people are in a little box, and they can't think outside of the box. They really are. You can think of it as a box. And you got to be careful, because you can just be in the box, and, and uh, the box can be completely cut off from uh, the real world. Because the problem is the real world is incredibly complicated. It's just way more complicated than we can possibly imagine. And so we have to come up with working models of how the world works. So we have our trusted sources of information, whatever those are. And then we have our logic. And, you know, and, if, and then maybe hopefully you have a functioning uh, internal BS detector. A lot of people don't it's malfunctioning and probably within all of us it's malfunctioning to some extent because we're human beings where we ain't perfect that's for sure and so then we put our faith into the emerging ideas and hopefully you know we're open to the i you know open to looking at our own behavior because we're you know that's how you can say all day long i believe in this and i believe in that but at the end of the day, what, you know, you've got to look at your behavior. Your behavior, you know, actually betrays what your beliefs are, what the real ones are, 
not what you think they are or what you say they are, because you can fool yourself easily. So it's useful to constantly monitor your own behavior. How do you know what you know? And it's always useful to question that. How do I know what I know? And it can be painful. It can be painful to admit if you're wrong. You know, if something goes wrong, then, you know, then you can come up, you know, a lot of times people will come up with excuses as to why, uh, you know, something didn't work or their, you know, some, you know their, their faith it didn't work out. And then they can come up with excuses for it. We literally do put our faith into everything, but we have to come up with working models. And hopefully, you know, by constantly monitoring what's going on, monitoring our own thoughts, monitoring our own behavior, we're able to refine those models into even better working models. But it's really worth worth knowing that we put our faith into various ideas and it really is faith you know we may think that uh you know i hear people say we follow the science you know like scientific process follow the science okay fine and dandy what does that mean you follow the you know the the guy that looks like the you know he's got the right you know the scientist uh He's making the right scientist noises. You know, you think automatically that, uh, you know, that you should listen to everything that that person says. They're human beings. They probably, they lie. They're, they're faulty. We're all faulty. You can't believe what they say. Necessarily. You've got to have your own BS detector. You know, and you can you can try to doubt that and say, well, it's wrong, you know, or, or you know, it's biased. Well, maybe it is, but at the same time, it's up to you to uh, suffer the consequences if your perception of reality and how you act based on those perceptions mismatches the real world. Because you have the real world, you have reality, and then you have your perception of it. Hopefully you're, you've got working models that are good enough that, that kind of match that and, and you know... It, and you're able to function adequately in whatever your little corner of the world is. And if there's a, a large mismatch between your perception, in other words, you'd have a faulty perception, and then the actual real world, and if there's a big mismatch, you can be in big trouble.
So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play this Dr. Drew uh, clip again. Uh, the guy's name is, uh, let's see here, Ed Dowd. And they're talking about sudden adult death statistics showing that something changed in 2021. So here that is. I know you're very interested in the sudden adult death syndrome. Is that the predominant diagnosis that is resulting in this data? Or, or had you seen that straight, straight at the beginning? T tell the story there. Well, we just started seeing strange and sudden stories, not just sudden deaths, but just, you know, uncles dying, grandmothers dying, lots of people dying in 2021, not so much in 2020, at least in my circles. This is anecdotes, and this is what got me interested. So when we started seeing in the insurance data, um, in, the, in, in January 3rd of uh, 2022, uh, CEO Scott Davison kind of set the whole thing in motion when he said that in his book of business, he was seeing 40% excess mortality, especially among younger aged working folks, which is something that we shouldn't be seeing in year two of a pandemic with um, you know, vaccines. So that, that, that in and of itself is just anomalous. And the only thing that I suspect to change with mandates and vaccines. And uh, as time rolled on, uh, I started gathering my team. And in March, we analyzed the CDC data, just straight CDC data. And we found a couple of strange things. Um, the CDC on their website didn't break, down, break it down by age. They showed all ages. Uh, and it looked like, you know, the pandemic in year two was almost as bad as year one, but not quite. But when you broke it down by age, there was a strange and alarming signal. And particularly in the 25 to 44 age cohort, the millennials, uh, that cohort um, experienced into the fall of 2021, an 84% rise in excess mortality. Um, and then it leveled off hmm. after the fall and came back down. So this, I'm known for this famous chart with CDC data breaking down that age group. No one's disputed it. No one said that we're wrong. No one's challenged us. It's just numbers. And it showed that age cohort showing a major accelerate, uh, acceleration into uh, August, September, October. And we call that rate of change. And you know, I don't have the chart, but it, it was like this, and then it went like that. And that's a signal in Wall Street. You know, That's a temporal signal that something has changed and something I suspect was the fact that um, you got to remember, if you go back to 2021, uh, corporations were starting to mandate the vaccine well before Biden even, uh, at, at, you know, gave his executive order on September 9th. Uh, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley were already mandating vaccines in August, and they led the way on Wall Street, and they led the way in corporate America, quite frankly. So that's when it really started to hit, and then people had to choose between um, keeping their job. Or not? Could you could you tell the causes of death that were responsible for that second derivative change? In other words, was it? Or do you have access to that data? What makes what my brain immediately does is I go, oh, we saw a lot of suicide and opioid and alcohol deaths that went straight up in that age group. Also, were you able to parse that out? So, uh, that the 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 pushback is exactly what you just said, and I'll address that. So. People said, hey, Ed, you know, hey, great, sure. But those are, you know, there's suicides, deaths of despair, opioid, 
addiction, uh, fentanyl addiction, and uh, missed cancer screening treatments. Those are the three reasons. And fair enough. Okay, if 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 the excess mortality had gone up to twenty percent and leveled off, that would have been fine. But my problem with it was the temporal rate of change into a three-month event that we all know occurred, and I I find it very hard to believe that uh, everyone decided in a three-month time frame to excessively commit suicide, overdose on fentanyl, or miss cancer screening treatment. So there was a signal there, and more recently. I've discovered uh, some new data that literally almost explains all those things away. And I'd like to share that with you. I shared it on another show yesterday, and it's, it's, it's kind of eye-popping. Something important that I discovered uh, last week. Uh, number one, it's group life. And generally speaking, I had the idea in my head, this is a healthier population. And that's, from deductive reasoning, that sounds about right. So I called one of my uh, actuarial whistleblowers to find some reports. And while she was looking for a report, she did find one from 2016, uh, the Society of Actuaries released another report last Monday. And what they said is that in the first nine, well, first, let me set this up. Uh, The 2016 study that they did covering years 2010 to 2013 showed that the group life insured population, which is a subset of the U.S. population, experiences in any given year 30 to 40 percent the mortality rate of the general U.S. population. So that's what we call a healthier population. The explanation for that is um, they tend to be um, uh, higher educated, higher earnings, and just healthier because they're they're employed. And to keep your group life, you have to stay employed. So that that's a self-selecting group. So uh, they're a healthier group. Roll into this report that came out from the Society of Actuaries last Monday. They said that in the first nine months of 2020, there, you know, COVID affected everybody. Nobody escaped. So in, in 2020, the general U.S. population's uh, excess mortality was above that of the group life uh, insurance group. Then in 2021, they report that that flipped, that ratio flipped. And what did we see? We saw 40% excess mortality, uh, as reported by the Society of Actuaries. This is a survey of 80% of the revenues of the group life uh, industry. And we saw a 31.7% excess of mortality in the general U.S. population. That's an eight-point differential. So... There's no doubt in my mind that something happened in 2021 using simple deductive reasoning. The only thing that happened that would cause working age people between 25 and 64 to suddenly see that kind of increase would be the one thing that changed, vaccines and mandates. Now, let me roll into the disability data, which confirms this insurance data. Uh, My uh, two PhD uh, partners uh, in my hedge fund did a study on disability in August. And we looked at it, and it was pretty stunning. And then it kind of foots with what I just told you about the insurance industry. The general population, overall U.S. population, ages 16 through 64, their disability rate rose in 2021 from an average of about 7.5% to 8%. So that's a 6.6% increase in disability. Okay? Um, mm-hmm. the, the statistical 
uh, deviation that we found looking at the disability data. Overall, the, the total absolute number was 29 to uh, 30 million for about the last five years. It's now encroaching upon 33 million. And if you look at the graph, it shows a definite change. And so they analyzed the, what's called the year-over-year -year rate or rate of change. And they came up with the fact that that, that was a three-standard deviation event, which on Wall Street only occurs 0.03% uh, of the time. So something happened. It's a signal. If that was a stock, I would analyze that stock to figure out what's going on and probably buy some because something's happened, something changed. Um, let's, let's go back to the to the, the, the data. So you can break down this data by age group and a status. So there's the population, the whole U.S. population. Then there's something called the civilian workforce, which is about 161 million people. Then there's something called the employed workforce, which is um, about 9,800 million people. When you looked at the uh, employed workforce, their disability rate was generally hovering around 3.1%. And it uh, rose to about 3.8%, uh, which is a 22% uh, increase in the rate of disability. So that is a, so the general population's rate of increase dis in disability rate was 6.6. The employed population was 22.6%. Uh, so then we broke it down by men and women in the employed group. This is ages, uh, 16 through 64. Um, and we saw that women had a uh, rate of increase of 32% increase in their disability rate and men a 19%. So whatever's going on seems to be affecting um, women disproportionately to men. And uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf uh, has reported that uh, from the Pfizer documents, the adverse events seem to affect women more. So there's, you know, two different databases confirming each other. My conclusion is this. The employed population is generally a healthier population, and COVID should not have affected them more adversely than the rest of the population in 2021. This did not occur in 2020, so something changed. So it's my contention that through forced mandates and vaccinations, uh, the general, the employed population has been uh, injured and, and, and some deaths have occurred. While if you were not in an uh, employed, you had a choice, you just had a choice. The CDC states that COVID-19 vaccines are safe, effective, and reduce the risks of COVID-19. Always consult with your personal physician before making any decision about your health. Okay, so that was the uh, clip from... Uh Dr. Drew, uh, Ed Dowd was the guy he was interviewing, and uh, you can either, you know, listen to that, and hopefully it's, you know, it spikes your curiosity, but if it doesn't, you know, if your, your mind is closed, then, uh, you know, that's so be it. So, you know, but there's the information. It sounds credible to me. And it makes me glad it sort of, I have to admit that it uh, certainly uh, reinforces the decision I made to absolutely not take any of the uh, COVID vaccines. 
and um, very glad that I didn't. Very glad that I didn't. You know, chances are that I could have, ta- I would have taken it and been perfectly fine. But uh, you know, maybe not. So, but my, you know, my uh, gut instinct, and you can say it's an emotion or whatever it is. You can say whatever you want. But I take it seriously when it says no, don't do that. I've learned to listen to it. And so that's, you know, so I I believe I made the absolutely made the right decision not to touch that vaccine with a 10 foot pole. And I will not. I was if if the you know, and if you can go back and listen at the time, I you know, if they were saying, well, you know, we're going to force everybody to, you know, with a corporation with more than so many employees, we're going to force them to, to uh, make, you know, force the, you know, force the vaccine on their employees. If they, you know, you got over our whatever it was, 100 employees or whatever, everybody's going to have to take it in a corporation. I would have quit. That would have been the end. If it came down to the, you know, them telling me that I have to take a vaccine or I lose my job, Sayonara, where do you want the truck parked at? Dead serious about that. So, and it wasn't because it was a Republican or Democrat thing. It was just my gut saying, no, do not touch that. And as it turns out, I was right. My gut instinct was validated as far as I'm concerned. And as time goes on, there's going to be more data that comes out. And uh, eventually, you know, it's going to take time. I think eventually uh, there's possibly people that are going to be going to jail. But that remains to be seen. But there certainly were some shenanigans going on. So, anyway, uh, let me now go ahead and play uh, the files that I have from Joel. I did listen to these, but now I that's been uh, like 20 days ago, so I don't remember what he was talking about. So... Uh, in any case, here is Joel. Hey, Tom. This is Joel McLaughlin. I'm actually getting ready to listen to your latest. It's been a while since I uh, left you any uh, voice messages, but I thought I would today. Um, as you saw on Facebook, uh, my new work laptop is the new uh, MacBook Pro, the 16-inch version with 512 gig of SSD storage and the 16 gigs of unified memory for uh, with the M1 Pro chip in it, and it's not. I will say this is not my first Mac. I actually actually have my first Mac. Well, not the actual first one I had, but I had a uh, like way back at the beginning of podcasting. I had a 12-inch G4 PowerBook. Um, 
and I have actually the one I have now. I bought one on eBay recently just to add to my museum collection, um, which I kind of have a little tech museum here. Hold on. I'm going to sneeze probably. All right. That's better. <laughs> um, so uh, the differences between – see, that one ran whatever came after Tiger as the high think Leopard. And my current, the current Mac OS, even though Ventura is out, we have um, Monterey on our work laptops, the ones who have MacBooks. And um, generally, I'm very happy with it. It's pretty, pretty fast compared to uh, um, my old uh, Dell, which is a four, four-year-old machine. Uh, we get new machines every four years, uh, but. Um, and I was able to do everything I needed to do to get my job done on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, the one thing I kind of wish Apple would do, especially since they've been bringing out these displays, like their studio display and their XDR display, uh, which are very expensive but very nice displays, um, is I wish they would bring out a dock. Um, Right now, they don't have their own Thunderbolt dock. They rely on others like Belkin and so on and so forth. And what I ended up having corporate send me, because they did kind of need a dock, is they sent me one of the Dell Thunderbolt 3 docks, which is sufficient for what I had to plug into it. And I don't have any high def, uh, well, anything over uh, 1080p screen-wise to plug into it. I got a 1080p monitor, HP monitor, that I actually didn't pay anything for. Um, we have these these incentive things like kind of on a spot reward kind of things, and I got enough points saved up in the old system that I was able to get a new a monitor. And that was several years ago now, but it works fine on the MacBook. Um, but generally, um, I think the uh, Apple Silicon is fantastic. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what they can do on the iPads that have the desktop processors in them, like the uh, uh, the new iPad uh, Pros have the M2 processor in them. Uh, and uh, probably going to try and get a personal machine that's also a Mac here in the near future. Um, but with that said, uh, you know, I have a uh, Surface Pro 6 that I still use, as well as my own, my personal uh, system is that I got last fall was a what well, is a uh, Asus uh, Republic of Gamers machine with a NVIDIA 3050 Ti in it, which that does everything I needed to do. Although I don't really do a lot of video editing, not as much as I used to. Right now, it's more I probably could scale back my Creative Cloud subscription to just the photo stuff, but uh. I'll keep the uh I will keep the current subscription level just in case I do get a video project for church. Um but uh that stuff works very well. So I'm gonna stop this one and I'll send one more because I do have a little bit more I wanna say. Alright, different topic now. Um one thing I've noticed uh, ever since Elon Musk has bought Twitter um, is the the left is just fuming and 
basically imploding here. And you know, they're mad that, that Twitter, which was was pretty much their own space, um that now, you know, you know, Donald Trump might come back to Twitter, which whatever, I don't really care, you know. Um, I think he should. I, I think he's kicked off for the wrong reasons. I think January 6th is mostly crap. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I think what probably is going to happen then, there's no, I don't have anything that's actually, that I'm actually using for a source for this. So this is just my idea. Um, what I do think might happen is that as Elon digs into things a little bit more, and the same thing, they may discover how uh, involved the Democrats were uh, with Twitter's moderation. I think that's definitely going to happen. So um, I think that's going to uh, not work out to the Democrats' uh, favor. I do think, I, I don't want to say, I, I really hate saying things like Blue Wave, Red Wave, or Red Tsunami, or whatever. Uh but I do think that the Republicans have a great chance to do better than we thought they were going to do. And I think they're going to take the House and the Senate, and they're going to have a significant ma- uh, majority. And then I think if anything happens to Biden, um, may, you know, maybe he may be uh, uh, 25th. Uh, I don't know. Um, but what I do think that is... Uh, gradually, people. I think this is this November here next week is going to be a, a huge um, delivery to the Democrats that we don't like the extreme things that they're trying to do. And I, I'm saying we as a we as in a collective country, not a, as a we as in conservatives, which we already know that. So, but anywho, um, I'll uh, go ahead and listen to your show and take care. Okay, well, thank you, Joel. So, you know the you know the Elon Musk. They've all turned on him, and uh, he's you know he went from being uh, you know like uh, <laughs> this one guy that I watch on YouTube. He's called him EJ, the Electric Jesus. You know, because he's he was you know sort of this messianic. Uh, electric car you know and it was all you know it's really kind of a religion the tesla religion you know he went from being uh you know saint elon to you know demon elon he's the devil and he's an incarnation of the devil now as far as the the religious uh you know the religious faithful for the you know for the the woke the woke religion he's he's now a devil you know, he went from being a saint to a devil. So, <laughs> but, uh, so I don't know. It's, you know, I, the latest thing that they've, he, not only did he reinstate Trump's uh, Twitter account, but he reinstated everyone's Twitter, you know, everyone that had been banned except, in, you know, with the exception if they've committed a crime or something like that. Uh, pretty much they you know they're all the canceled all the people that were canceled off of Twitter are back or the you know their accounts are back 
unless, you know, like I say, unless they committed a demonstrable crime or whatever, that's a different story. So, you know, the vast majority of those accounts are back, and so we'll see. I haven't used Twitter in eight. It's been years since I've even messed with it because, you know, it's just kind of ridiculous. It's a big time suck. But, uh, so, as far as the election, yeah, you know, there's supposed to be a big wave or, you know, red wave. I think there actually was a red wave. But the problem is uh, the Democrats are still cheating in certain states. And even right, the state that I'm in right now, Maricopa County, it still hasn't been able to count all of their uh, mail-in ballots. So the, the, basically what has happened, this, they had certain areas, voting areas picked out where they had these mail-in ballots and uh, they could just keep manufacturing, you know, kind of come up with the, enough ballots so that the Democrat would win. And so that's basically what they did. And, uh, you know, California, there's another article I saw. California still has 200, uh, roughly 225,000 ballots, mail-in ballots that weren't counted, haven't been counted yet, haven't had a chance to count them. How many days has it been since the election? Oh, oh, we can't count them. How do you know it's 225,000 if you didn't count them? (laughs) So, you know. We have crooked elections. I still believe Trump won the the 2020 election. You know? I really do believe that. But uh, they cheated. And they're cheating right now. They're trying to cheat right now. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, uh, there, you know, and the problem is there is no political solution. We think, we have this idea that if we could just get this guy elected or these guy, this guy and these gals elected, that it's going to fix the problem. And it's, the real problem is our morals. And that's not so easy to, it's not an easy problem to fix because it's not an easy problem to face. It's really a tough thing for even us us as individuals. It's tough for us to actually face our own moral failings. And we all damn, damn well have them. We all have them. You know, and it's not just, well, I, you know, I'm just going to, you know, go to church and recite this prayer and uh, sort of sweep it all under the rug. It doesn't work that way. That's not good enough. You actually have to, to allow your conscience to catch up with you. And part of that is part and parcel is what I was talking about before. Give up resentment. You know, you resentment comes packaged with denial mechanisms. Well, what are you denying? You're denying reality. You're denying your conscience. The conscience, you can think of your conscience in, in one sense. You can think of, it's the very basis. It's the thing that we're the most intimate with. 
as conscious creatures. That's the thing that that we're most we're really intimate with it. And yet, we can twist things around. We can use the wrong side of our ego to deny. What we know is right. To see wrong is right and right is wrong. To screw up our perceptions. So we really got it. We've got a terrible moral problem. Really, it's just an awful moral problem that we have, and there is no political solution that's going to fix it. I was reading this article. Let me see. I, th- I bet you I can find it. Just earlier today while I was uh, eating one of the, the two meals that I had today. Let's see if I can find this article real quick. I didn't know I was going to talk about it or I would have had it. There we go. Okay. So here's the article. It's on Daily Wire, which I subscribe to, by the way, and I would suggest that you subscribe to it because it's not that expensive and it's really good. Uh, Russia advances law banning LGBT pedophilia propaganda. Lower level Russian parliamentarians unanimously passed a new a law Thursday that would ban the distribution of materials promoting homosexuality, pedophilia, and gender reassignment. More than 300 representatives of the state Duma including the chairman, authored the new law, which imposes heavy fines of up to 10 million rubles, that's $165,000, for violating the ban by promoting such propaganda using online channels, media, or in public. Foreign citizens and stateless persons who violate the law would also face expulsion from the Russian Federation. I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Chairman uh, Valies something or other Valden said the law would help protect the motherland's traditions and values for her children and the future of Russia, a future of Russia from the darkness spread by the United States and European states. Valden called the U.S. the center of this Sodom in the world. In response to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who had allegedly proposed Russian representative withdraw the draft law, there is no need to impose alien values on us, Volodin said. You destroyed yours. We'll see how it all ends, but it definite, it's definitely sad because this is Sodom. There is no other way to say it. Let them live there, but don't bother us, Volodin added. Russian lawmakers have already banned propaganda promoting homosexuality among minors nearly a decade ago and passed amendments to its constitution outlawing same-sex marriage in 2020. Alexander, uh, oh gosh, Knitson, something or other, one of the bill's authors referred to the LGBT ideology as hybrid warfare, 
LGBT today is an element of hybrid warfare, and in this hybrid warfare, uh, whatever the guy's name is said, according to Reuters, we must protect our values, our society, and our children. Political scientist, uh, oh God, here's another one, Ekaterina Schulman said in an interview from Cologne, Germany, that the law would prohibit anything showing LGBT relations as socially acceptable or equal to so-called traditional family relations or sexual relations. People, authors, publishers, just people, will think twice before even mentioning anything related to, L- related to LGBT, Schloman said, according to Reuters. Kinesia Milikovia, a member of the LGBT support group uh, Vickyod, or then in parenthesis, coming out, told Reuters that the new law could make same-sex kissing in public illegal, but would not put adults-only gay bars or clubs out of business. Delia Gerforova, the head of the LGBTQ rights group, uh, Sephora, told Agents France Press that it was disturbing that the state is saying LGBT people are a Western invention, adding, there is nothing wrong with us and nothing that needs to be hushed up. The law still needs the approval from the upper house of parliament and President Vladimir Putin before taking effect. And uh, let's see here. So (laughs) looking down in the comments... The guy says, uh, imagine that there are idiots. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, that's not the one. That's not the one. Oh, what happened here? Show more comments. Because there was a comment earlier that was better than that. Well, this is annoying. Every time somebody posts a new comment, it, uh, well, anyway, there was this guy or somebody made a comment and they said, you know, we know it. Okay, here we, here it is. You know, things are getting bad when you agree with Russia. (laughs) You know, so that's, uh, kind of interesting. So Russia is, uh, Russia, they know it. They know it. How is it that, you know, they're trying to improve their own morals. They're not perfect. Russia's had a very dark history. They're not perfect people, and neither are we. But it really is, we really have a moral problem, and as long as we have a a moral problem to the degree that we do, and it seems to be getting worse, the country has no future. Sorry. Sorry. Or, it's, or, or whatever future it has is going to be a very dark future. So, anyway, let's see. I think that was, if there's anything else I wanted to talk about, I think that was might be it.
Yeah, well, kind of going back to, you know, how do you know what you know? You know, also there's a, you have the idea, you know, we, as, you know, as human beings, have to have other human beings. We we actually, and I've talked about this before, we actually outsource our sanity to the group. You you may not want to, you know, if you know, if you really think about that, we do may not want to admit it. But we actually do outsource our sanity to the broader group, the broader society. But you got to be careful, you know, who your, you know, who your friends are. There's a saying, you know, whoever, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That that sort of relates to the idea that we do outsource our sanity. So you got to be careful. So people start, but people can pressure you. You know, you may think, "Oh, I have to uh, agree with uh, with the group. I can't disagree with the group." If so, if the group says that wrong is right and right's wrong, then I have to agree with it. Well, what makes you agree? If you have resentment, whether you're aware of resentment or not, if you have hidden resentment. That force that separates you from who you could have been, it separates you from your conscience. It makes an enemy of your conscience. And so therefore, in order to run to drive a wedge between yourself and your conscience, to run away from that conscience, you find someone else that'll agree with you that wrong is right and right is wrong. That's how cults work. That's exactly how cults work. So how do you know what you know? And so I contend that you don't really know what you know. The only way that you can actually know what you know or have a better chance at knowing what you know is to get rid of resentment, root it out. You know, and it's not it's not something that you just casually get rid of uh, immediately. Not in my experience. It took me a considerable length of time to, you know, to, to finally to let go of it. You know, and I had to want to let go of it. So, anyhow, <clears throat> I think I'm going to bring this to a close. Uh, hope everyone uh, had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you're having a great week, and I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com. <laughs>